0: Small businesses are scrambling to gain a foothold on their business during this COVID-19 crisis. The tendency is to stop spending money, which can sometimes also mean stop marketing. If history has proven anything, it is businesses must continue to market in a down economy. But many of those businesses that continue to market do it from a transactional mindset. What is the fastest way for me to get a return on my marketing investment? Well, today we're going to take a look at a different approach to marketing as we talk with Mark Schaefer, a globally recognized keynote speaker, educator, business consultant, and author. His blog is hailed as one of the top marketing blogs in the world. Not only that, Mark has had a very up-close and personal look at the coronavirus it's time to step into the Business Buffet kitchen. Open the recipe book and see some of the business ingredients Mark Schaefer uses on this ingredients episode of the Business Buffet. Welcome to another episode of the Business Buffet ingredients where we ask the experts questions that serve up a business and life-growing feast. Pull up a chair and get ready to eat hearty in business because the Business Buffet is now open. Welcome to another Ingredients episode of The Business Buffet. I'm Phil Anderson, and today we're going to dive into all things marketing with an extraordinary business mind, Mark Schaefer. Now, I've seen Mark present multiple times, and in his presentations, they're not only chock full of great information, but also extremely entertaining, and the room is always full when he speaks. His resume is very impressive. Mark has worked in global sales, PR and marketing positions for more than 30 years and provides consulting services as executive director of Schaefer Marketing Solutions. His clients range from successful startups to global brands such as Adidas, Johnson & Johnson, Dell, Pfizer, the US Air Force, and the UK government. He has advanced degrees in marketing and organizational development, holds seven patents, and is a faculty member of the graduate studies program at Rutgers University. For three years, Mark studied under the late Peter Drucker, a world-renowned consultant and author, hailed as the founder of modern management. Now, Mark is globally recognized keynote speaker, educator, business consultant, and author. His blog, Grow, is hailed as one of the top marketing blogs in the world. Mark is also the author of seven best-selling marketing books, Marketing Rebellion, Known, Social Media Explained, Return on Influence, Born to Blog, The Content Code, and The Tao of Twitter. Named the best-selling book on Twitter in the world, by the way. Uh, Return on Influence was named to the elite list of top academic titles of the year by the American Library Association, which declared it an essential and pathfinding book. The Content Code was named one of the top five marketing books of 2015 by Inc. Magazine. Mark's books are used as textbooks at more than 50 universities and have been translated into 12 languages can be found in more than 750 libraries worldwide. He is the co-host of the marketing companion. One of the top 10 marketing podcasts on iTunes He is also a popular and entertaining commentator and has appeared on many national television shows and periodicals, including the wall street journal, wired, the New York times, CNN, National Public Radio, CNBC, the BBC, and the CBS News. Had to take a breath there. He is a regular contributing columnist to the Harvard Business Review. So we have constantly talked about the ability to pivot as a key factor in small business success, and Mark serves as an example of that as he has moved quickly during this pandemic, offering a free book, The Pandemic, Business Strategy Playbook, which helps you navigate the world crisis. You will learn key strategies in the middle of a crisis, a plan to envision the new normal for your business, and why waking up customers might be an essential part of your marketing plan going forward. Now you can find this free ebook by visiting businessgrow.com forward slash pandemic playbook. Now that we've whetted your appetite without further delay, Let's welcome Mark Schaefer into our business buffet kitchen. Mark, hello and welcome and thank you for sharing with us some of your time and your business ingredients.
1: Well, you're welcome. Um, I'm uh, delighted to be here with you,
0: Phil. Fantastic. So I want to start by mentioning that I follow Mark on Twitter and I'm notified whenever he tweets. There are a handful of people and Mark is one of them that I get those notifications or my phone would be going crazy. There have been two tweets that caught my attention recently. one was for your blog post for business to win in the coronavirus crisis head to the bottom of the, the pyramid. Can you talk a little mm-hmm. bit about why you wrote that blog post?
1: well uh, it's funny Phil um, uh, sometimes I just sort of get this image in my head that I think will be a help, a good way to help teach people and I started thinking about the old standard that we learned about in psychology 101, Maslow's hierarchy of needs Mm -hmm. and why that is very relevant in today's business environment, because one of the most profound impacts this has had in people's lives is that we really don't have the opportunity for aspirational kinds of purchases anymore. So what I mean by that is, you know, I know psychology purists out there might say oh you know there's a lot of debate about the hierarchy of needs now but i think it's still a simple and easily understood model and the idea is that before people can think about you know buying a car or you know going on a vacation they have to have food they have to have water they have to have air they have to have shelter and then the next level up it's you know you don't want to be alone you want to have relationships Maybe, you know, you want to have a job. And then all the way at the top of the pyramid are aspirational purchases like, should I get a vote? Now, I think this is useful to think about marketing today in this perspective that a lot of the companies and a lot of our marketing efforts have been aimed at the top, including me. I'm a marketing consultant, right? right? And in a period of three days, I became irrelevant in a lot of ways. My content became irrelevant. All the things I had planned to write on my blog, everything I had planned to produce on my podcast. So I had to react very quickly. And it took me a couple days to get my feet on the ground. But I realized that, uh, you know, I, in my heart, as you said in your very kind introduction, I mean, I'm a teacher. And I teach through my blog, through my speeches, through my books, and I realized, I just have to teach about something new now, and you mentioned this this ebook that I created about you know the pandemic business plan. That's a really good example. So in my own life, I was I was marketing at the top of the pyramid, marketing consulting ser- services. Right? People don't need that anymore. People right. are, so I need to go to the bottom of the pyramid and think about how do I help people and businesses survive right now. And that's the idea behind about behind the pyramid post that I wrote.
0: And it seems like marketing in general should almost start there, right?
1: Well, right now, you know, right now, uh, I mean, my view is: look, there are a lot of businesses who are doing great right now that are thriving right now. Yeah, and <laughs> and in that case, you got to double down. You know, you 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 should. Uh, you, know, you should double down on your marketing. You should look for you know, even greater opportunities. If you're at the top of the pyramid, you need to think about how do I show up at the bottom in a way that's really helpful and supportive and meaningful. Um, you know, We see a lot of – here's, here's – I gave an example of my own life, but another one that I think is very inspirational is a few weeks ago I got an email from a cattle rancher. Oh, this is a guy. That sells that makes you know beef for high-end restaurants. And he wrote me this email. He said, Look, you know, I know you're not going to be visiting these restaurants anytime soon. We will bring steaks to your house. So he's moving from the top of the pyramid to the bottom of the pyramid because people are afraid we're not gonna get enough food. There's gonna be meat shortages, right? And some businesses can do that quickly, some can't. For example, the travel industry, the cruise industry, you know, this is, you can't sugarcoat this. This is not an easy time. Right. Some businesses are not going to make it to the other side, but it's also an opportunity to act with generosity, to act with grace, to do things today that, that the customers will remember that can lead to long-term loyalty.
0: So I mentioned there were two tweets that caught my attention. I also mentioned mm-hmm. Early on in this episode, that you had a very up close and personal look at the coronavirus. That other tweet read this way: "Tested positive, coronavirus in the house." That must have been a really hard tweet to send out. Can it, you-
1: it was. It was. Yeah.
0: yeah, for
1: for really a lot of reasons. You know, um, you know, my my wife got sick. Um, she got sick before me. And, uh, you know, thank the Lord that she actually recovered before I got sick, which was amazing because I was just living in this highly contagious environment. And, you know, one of the reasons uh, that it was difficult to to send it out, you know, obviously it was sort of like a just a personal Mm -hmm. setback. But, you know, I had to really reflect on on what I wanted to communicate about this, you know, my, my instinct on this from my, from my heritage, from my family heritage is look, you know, I'm sick. It's nobody's business. uh, You know, just get through it, tough it out. And, you know, we'll see you on the other side, but I have a very high public profile. And so, you know, I decided that I would, say things about it in a limited way um, I I gave updates about every seven to ten days and my goal was to be a teacher to use it as a, a, as a teachable moment uh, to be brave to set an example and to destigmatize the disease because for many people I was the first person they knew who had it And so I thought about, you know, if I could be honest and sort of uplifting about my journey through this illness, then that would help people. And I think it did because I got a lot of good feedback. But, you know, it was a hard decision for me to decide how open I wanted to be about this. But I think it worked out okay.
0: I know that you had mentioned you are a a healthy person, and you expect to get through this with flying colors, and for all indications, that's exactly what happened. But you set the table for that success through that too.
1: Well, you know, I, I, I when I got through the the, the disease, uh, at least I thought I was through. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, because the fever had had gone. You know, I had a fever for fifteen straight days. And when the fever leaves you for three days, then that's the time you're supposed to be able to say, "Okay, this is great, I'm on my way." But it, you know, it just kept hanging on, and actually, you know, got tested again when I thought I was over it, and still tested positive. And then another ten days. Finally, I I tested negative, uh, but still have some things going on. And what's what what I'm reading now is that they're finding that people that have this virus are still showing symptoms months after they've recovered.
0: Isn't that something?
1: That's one. There's a new study in Italy now that shows that people still are coughing. They're even still having fevers and sore throats and, uh, you know, trouble breathing, even though they're testing negative. So there's just so much mystery about this thing. Right, right. And I think that really sort of, you know, lends itself to, you know, really help enable the fear that comes with this too. So, you know, I wanted to try to do my part to just sort of be, you know, honest about what was going on and supportive. And then anybody else I heard had it, you know, I offered to, you know, just call them and, you know, talk them through it. And, you know, because there's just once people hear that you have it, uh, you get advice from so many voodoo cures, you wouldn't even believe it. And it, it just gets very sort of overwhelming. And uh, what you need to do right now, you know, there really is no cure. There is no medicine. You got to let this thing roll through your body and hope that it doesn't. So bad that you have to be hospitalized. That's the treatment right now.
0: Well, I want to thank you so much for sharing that with us. Uh, we're going to move forward now and dive into marketing, which is why we're having this conversation. But uh, again, thank you for sharing that with us. Sure. Are you like most people in front of your phone and computer all the time? Computers can really be a pain in the neck. Many people slouch or strain their necks while working at the computer, as well as during their stressful commute. A recent study shows how jutting the head forward to read more closely compresses the neck and can lead to neck and shoulder problems, as well as pain going into the arms and hands. Laura with Abandon Your Aches Massage is all about a holistic approach to health and helping you live the life you deserve. She has years of experience in many types of massage therapy ranging from light touch craniosacral therapy to deep tissue trigger point therapy. Not only that, she can provide helpful stretches and has an entire line of essential oils that can keep you living your best life even after you leave her office. Let Laura help you return to your daily activities. Schedule a massage at AYAMassageCDA.com. Abandon your aches massage. Relief, relax, refresh. Uh, You created a manifesto for human-centered marketing for your book, Marketing Rebellion. The most human company wins. What prompted you to come up with uh, these 10 ideas?
1: Well, (laughs) It's funny. It's a funny story, actually. Marketing Rebellion is a very dense book. I mean, it's, it's it's I'm proud of it. I think it's my best work. But there's an idea, and an inspiration on every page. I am a no-fluff writer. I do not waste people's time. Uh, you will get value on every page of the book. Well, you know, by halfway through the book, I had covered so much ground. I thought, you know what? I'm just going to kind of summarize where we are. There you go. (laughs) And that became the manifesto. And that thing has really taken on a life of its own. Uh, People have it hanging up in their offices. It's being used in marketing classes. It's, you know, the the manifesto and, and the book itself, Marketing Rebellion, it really is turning into a movement. I'm very proud of that. Uh, companies have told me we're changing our entire marketing strategy to reflect the ideas that you have in the book. So the book is a wake-up call. You know, it's it's it just sort of points out that the world has changed in some radical ways and marketing hasn't. And we need to be mindful of these dramatic changes and these new expectations from our customers or we're going to become obsolete.
0: So Tuesday, we had a main dish episode that actually I, I touched on a couple of these. Uh, you know, stop doing what customers hate. Uh, technology yeah. should be invisible to your customer mm-hmm. and only used to help your company be more compassionate, receptive, mm-hmm. fascinating, and useful. I, I also said never intercept, never interrupt. Of course, I said that and my uh, co-host interrupted me. Uh, but that's what he does. Uh and, you know, obviously the most human company wins. That's the the, the bottom line. Mm. What makes human-centered marketing so important?
1: Well, I think it's what's in our DNA. I think it's what's in our hearts. And, um, you know, about three or four years ago, I saw this survey that made me profoundly sad. And it talked about how consumers felt resigned to being abused by marketers
0: gosh it's so and, true And you know though.
1: marketers marketers sort of have this mindset that's sort of like well you know we bother people and we spam people but you know we have to do that because we provide all these other free services and so it's sort of like a fair value exchange and so and so customers they don't see it as a fair value exchange. And I think many times businesses have lost sight because we're customers too. And you have to think, what if I was doing this to you? You wouldn't do it, you, you'd hate it. So why are you doing that to your customers? It's funny, when the first time I ever gave this speech around the marketing rebellion, it was, you know, it was in front of, I don't know, probably 1,000 people when I debuted this speech. And I said, you know, here's the first step we need to take. We need to stop doing what people hate. And people, they applauded.
0: Probably stood up and Yeah.
1: And I I thought, wow, that really had an impact on people. And it it just seems so so simple. So it's time for a change because we've lost our way. And we really don't have a choice because as I show through the book, when the customers are unhappy with marketing and advertising, they rebel and eventually they always win. So we have to understand these new trends and and respond
0: appropriately. So talking about business, uh, what are some of the biggest unexpected business challenges you've had to navigate through your business career?
1: Well, that would be this month. <laughs>
0: <laughs> a good timing on my part.
1: And I'm not even kidding. <laughs> you know, I would say, you know, I've, I've had a wonderful career. I, I really have had a wonderful career. I mean, I spent, you know, 27 years with a fortune 100 company and, you know, got to go, get to the highest levels of the company and then started my own business. And, and that's taken off in a, you know, in a beautiful way. And of course, you know, everybody has challenges along the way, but really it seems like there's nothing I could name that comes close to what's happening now. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, I thought I was prepared for something like a recession, mm. but nobody could be prepared for this. Even sort of the income streams that I thought would help get me through a recession have sort of evaporated. So, you know, as you mentioned, you know I was sick with the with the coronavirus, and one of the um, symptoms I had uh, was that I couldn't think clearly. I couldn't read, I couldn't write, I couldn't focus. Uh, and what was happening is that I wasn't getting enough oxygen to my brain, and so I was in this haze. So I went weeks and weeks and weeks without really. Being able to think about business, and so right now, just in the last you know ten days, it's like I'm waking up. It's like I'm saying, "Oh wow, you know, things I have to reimagine." You know what I'm going to do, what I'm going to be, uh, you know, how I can apply my skills and my talents and my passion. I, I wrote that you know pandemic business handbook. Really for me, (laughs) because we're facing so much uncertainty and we have to, you know, kind of think about, all right, what's the world going to look like? What's our best? What's the probability and how, how, how do I land on the other side? Right. You don't have to, you don't have to create a novel right now. You don't have to, you know, start a new podcast. You don't have to get that beach body you always wanted. You just need to land on the other side. Exactly. That's going to be that's going to be your greatest achievement. And uh, so, and I want to help people do that to the best of my, uh, my abilities. Uh, you know, I'm right now. I'm still a work in progress. I'm optimistic about some things that are going on, and uh, you know, I've got enough resources that you know we're going to be okay. But there's still a lot of pain suffering and uncertainty out there.
0: Right. I know the last time we had spoke was early, early March, uh, down in Mm -hmm. San Diego, kind of at the very front end of this whole thing. And, Mm -hmm. uh, I had in my mind, you were going to be at the top of the list of, of an ingredients episode for the business buffet. And then Mm -hmm. I read that tweet and I'm like, I back way off. Until I started seeing a little bit more normalcy and I thought, okay, it's about time to maybe reach out and you were gracious enough to accept this, this interview request. Mm-hmm. So happy to do it. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about successes uh, and some of the habits that, that folks need to have business owners mm-hmm. need to have uh, to push their success. Uh, what daily habits do you have that feed into your success that you can share with us?
1: Yeah, well, there's there's a couple of things. I think the comment that I get most of all is people always wonder how I do as much as I do, Uh, because uh, as you mentioned in your very kind introduction, you know, I've I've written these books and, and I've got I do a lot. I have a lot of balls in here. So I think it really gets down to to discipline, very, very strict discipline. So a couple disciplines that are important to me are number 1 is that I stay very very focused on the three primary activities that generate revenue for me. And that would be consulting, it would be, you know, kind of coaching and and classes. And then the third one is content because that's how I become known. That's how I stay in people's minds and how I stay relevant. And so if opportunities come my way, it doesn't fall into one of those three buckets, including administrative responsibilities, I either outsource it or I get rid of it or I say no. And that's a very, very key idea because I think a problem that a lot of people have is, you know, let's say they just love tweaking their website. They love, love, love it. <laughs> that's not making money. So even if it's something that you love to do, if it's not, You know, a revenue producing activity, you just have to say no. You know, and and I know most many people when they're starting up, they can't say no. You got to wear every hat. Mm, But as soon as you can, you got to shed that. You got to shed those duties. You got to have the discipline to say no. Learning how to say no is very important for business success. So that is an important discipline in my business. And then, you know, the other discipline I have is really – because content is such an important part of my business and my and my life is just is having the discipline to be aware constantly be aware of things that i see and i hear and i experience that could help my audience that could turn into a story and as soon as i'm aware of that i write it down because if i don't write it down i'll forget it so having the discipline to be aware having the discipline to write it down and then also having the discipline to schedule time every week to create content, just like you're doing now, right? This is important to you. It's important to your business. So you need to schedule time to do this, just like you'd schedule time to work out or, you know, go to church or, you know, go to a class or anything. This is, you know, this is part of your life and, you know, it it has to be part of your discipline and you need to schedule sacred time to do that. uh, Just like other things you enjoy. So, Really gets down to focusing on the right things and having the discipline to stay in those lanes.
0: You mentioned two things that struck me. Uh, first of all, the content that you do produce is really second to none. It is so good, and you mentioned before you don't really write fluff. It is as good of a blog that I've a business blog that I've seen around and so you should be congratulated for that number two your consulting aspect of those three pillars uh that should be something you uh in in essence could still do through you know zoom conference calls and things like that uh but it's not quite the same right
1: well it's, it's it's a lot of times right now it's a matter of of need you know one of my customers you know called me and said you know We've shut down all our stores. We're trying to not lay off our employees. We don't have money for you. (laughs) And I could have led with that, right? (laughs) And I said, that's absolutely the right decision. Yeah. It's absolutely the right decision. And again, I mean, it's nothing I did wrong. So, yeah, I, I have to, you know, I think maybe some people going through this, uh, or experience some sort of form of guilt, like I should have been better prepared for this. And I think one of the most important blog posts I've written during this crisis is, was called, It's Not Your Fault. And, and I think it's important, that's an important thing to accept, to kind of move on and start to pivot, is don't dwell on, oh my gosh, I worked so hard to build this business, I worked so hard and things were going so well and we we're about to sign this contract. You just got to get over that right now. You know, it's okay to grieve for a day. Be pissed off for a day. And move on. Rant and cry and scream for a day. And then wake up the next morning and said, all right, this was not my fault. Let's transcend this thing. Let's overcome this thing. What do I need to do? And, you know, stay focused on the future and your business and your family.
0: That's yeah, great advice too. Uh, we have time for a couple, maybe three more questions. Uh, you just wrote a recent blog post. What is the future of conferences and public speaking? Which, of course, I am very, very interested in that topic as well because we have our social media summit, Quarterland conference coming up in September that we moved from June. So, uh, what what are your thoughts about uh, conferences and public speaking and large? gathering of people?
1: Well, one of the things I talk about in this uh, free, you know, pandemic business strategy ebook that I wrote is that we have to think about planning for our businesses based on probabilities, not the worst case, not the best case. What's probable? Now, speaking, Phil, it has become a bigger and bigger part of my career. Mm -hmm. It's something that I enjoy. It's something that I'm good at. I love going to events and learning new things and meeting people. Uh, And uh, that has basically been eliminated for me right now. Uh, A lot of the events that I had planned have moved to the fall. And a lot of my friends are saying, I'm not even sure this is going to happen in the fall. We're thinking second quarter next year. And there's all this uncertainty. There's no data out there. There's no research. So I decided to do my own. And I think, uh, you know, I think the big takeaways from from what I wrote in my post was that, number one, for small events, people are pretty optimistic that even by the end of their year or early next year, things will be pretty much back to, to normal. For larger events, there's more uncertainty. People are saying, well, it might be late next year or even 2022. And the main reason is safety. They're saying, look, we've got to have a vaccine. We don't want to be walking around our favorite conferences and a mask. We want to have that sort of safe human interaction. That's why we go to these things. And so if you look at the medical research, research, unfortunately, the reality of developing therapies or a vaccine are probably farther off than what was reflected in the survey. So, you know, I'm thinking it's going to be late 2021, you know, sometime in 2022 before the large events, you know, start, start coming back.
0: I'm going to wrap this up really soon. We've been listening to the success principles with Jack Hanfield uh, recently and just, been reminded on how important being a part of a mastermind group is. Uh, do you have a mentor or are you a part of a mastermind group at all? Or are you pretty much doing this all on your own?
1: You know, I, I am, I am really weird that way. Uh, and I, I don't know if it's some fatal flaw in my character or, <laughs> or what it is, but you know, I've had very few mentors I mean, in my life, you mentioned Peter Drucker. I mean, certainly he was the greatest influence in my business career. Right. I had some really, really amazing bosses who taught me a lot more patient with me in my corporate career. Um, but I, I've i never been in a mastermind. I, I, I've i never been in any sort of formal group. You know, I have, you know, kind of friends. If I have a hard question I'm struggling with, I'll call them up and say, hey, you know, can you, can you think this through with me? Right. Uh, but, but I really, you know, I really don't have uh, a mentor. Maybe that sounds weird. I don't have a me- I, I have kind of an ad hoc call them when I need them kind of support system.
0: Yeah. It's a form of a mastermind uh, group.
1: Yeah. So I, so I, I don't, maybe I'm just weird.
0: No, <laughs> yeah, we're all different. That's the key. We're all different. Tell me then what advice would you give entrepreneurs and small business owners just in general about navigating the world of small business?
1: Well, you know, I I guess I can't really give any advice without putting in the, in the context of, of the time that we're in, it would be meaningless. You know, otherwise Mm. I think uh, I think you need to be very clear headed and clear-eyed in terms of looking at the truth uh you know if you if you if you're desperate in trying to sell what you have because you don't want to know what else to do you're going to ruin your brand and you're going to ruin your reputation so take a little time to take a deep breath and say you know how do we pivot you know there is so much creativity so much ingenuity in this in this world and in America and every crisis is an opportunity. And one of the predictions I made is that we are going to see a record number of startups in the next six months.
0: Oh, I don't disagree with that at all. Because
1: if there's a problem, America's going to figure out a way to find it, to to solve it. If there's money to be made and a customer to be had, we're going to figure it out. And so that's why I'm not as dismayed by a lot of these, dire economic projections as a lot of other people because I believe in that ingenuity. I believe in the entrepreneurial spirit of America, but you, you know, you, you've got to be irrational. You can't just try to hold on to what you got. You got to be just intellectually honest with yourself and the world and pivot to make it to the other side.
0: Mark, that's great advice. And I am just so grateful that you have taken the time uh, to have this conversation with us. Uh, I want to thank you again. And I want to remind everyone listening visit businessesgrow.com because you will not be sorry at the content that Mark provides. Uh, and to get that ebook, businessesgrow.com forward slash pandemic playbook, I would strongly urge you to do both of those things and Mark thank you again for spending a few moments sharing some of your business ingredients on our business buffet podcast thanks so much thank you for listening to the business buffet ingredients we hope we tempted your business taste buds with something sweet please share this podcast with your friends and show that you are the smartest person in the room Visit businessbuffet.page and sample all the flavors of the business buffet. We hope you eat hearty in business.